1: Good fucking morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever the hell in the world you are. I hope you are having an amazing day and thank you so much for being here, listening to Ask Floss, the section of my podcast where I answer everything and anything that you send in to me. We've got a lot of questions to get through today so let's get straight into it with question number one. Hey Floss, Basically, I really struggle with the guilt of masturbation. I feel really dirty and gross. I have sexual childhood trauma and I associate it with me doing a bad thing because he did a bad thing. Thank you so much. Your podcast and your book is amazing, by the way. Thank you so much to whoever sent in this question for the lovely words you said about my podcast. I'm really glad you enjoy listening. I um, relate on a level of feeling dirty and gross about masturbation. I don't feel that way anymore. I feel almost completely... um, I feel like I have some kind of like shame repellent on me when it comes to masturbation and it's because I speak about it a lot and I made a really good effort to speak about wanking with my friends um in conversations with them talking about it showing them techniques and doing all that kind of stuff for me i think the the antidote to shame and to expelling it is different for everyone. But for me, it was speaking about it. So the fact you've sent in this question, I feel, is a really good shame repellent because you're talking, you've asked a stranger and you've spoke, you've given language to your shame. Brené Brown talks a lot about shame um, uh, and her book Daring Greatly, I feel, will help a lot with that kind of stuff. She is incredible. Um, on the topic of shame, not specifically with masturbation, but I feel like all shame is tied to something else. More often than not, it's not even your shame that you're carrying, as you've already pointed out yourself. He did the bad thing. And now it's almost as if the bad thing lives inside you and you've taken it on as your own. And it is not your bad thing. I don't know if this is going to make you feel any better, but there is absolutely nothing wrong with wanking. It's one of the most beautiful fucking things on earth. Assuming that you have a vulva, you have a clitoris and the clitoris is the only body part ever, 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 ever designed specifically for pleasure. So what else are you supposed to do with it? Do you know what I mean? What else are you supposed to do with the clit apart from pleasure yourself with it? Literally nothing. People with penises don't have that part. Everything else serves another functional purpose. Your clit is there, designed specifically for pleasure. So I just want to let you know there's nothing to feel shameful of and to also do a deep dive into shame and how shame can shape the way you think and definitely read Daring Greatly by Brené Brown. This isn't necessarily a question, but could you talk about how comphet affects specifically lesbians in our romantic and sex lives and how we can try and get rid of it? Okay, so to anyone who doesn't know, compet is uh, short for compulsory heterosexuality, and it's basically the thing where heterosexuality is almost this this taught thing. We learn it from maybe your parents, maybe in schools, in sex education, in movies. It's it's this it's this instilled belief system that heterosexuality is compulsory and perhaps you don't even realise that you don't like the opposite sex until you move out or until you see a gay couple and you realise, oh, this is what romantic attraction is supposed to feel like. Um... And that's what compet means. It's compulsory heterosexuality. And a lot of lesbian women come out as bisexual because they think that they're still attracted to men. And then they realize, oh, it's not that I'm attracted to men, it's compulsory heterosexuality that I'm feeling. I'm feeling this built-in need to still make space for men in my life, because that's all I've ever known. It's all I've ever grown up knowing. Um, I saw men making love with women in movies. I saw men. Um, I was encouraged to fancy men. Um, It's when heterosexuality is essentially forced upon people. So I identify as bisexual, so I'm not a lesbian. Um, I think I'm still attracted to men. And I'm also just okay with not knowing and my sexuality being a bit of a journey. There is an incredible document online that you can just Google called The Lesbian Master Doc, and it lists off a whole host of things. I think it's literally just called Am I a Lesbian? And then it just tells you all of the things that you've been kind of taught. Uh, My friend who is a lesbian, she talks about how she realised she was performing for men and not actually attracted to them. And it was just that sometimes the way they looked at her made her feel alive and that she kind of confused those feelings with desire. But it wasn't desire, it was someone desiring her. She didn't actually want to be with these men. It was just the feeling that she got when they looked at her. So that was her kind of way of realising that she didn't actually like men. Yeah, so I would say it affects uh, your sex life in terms of like it's the only, we, we always make room for men in our lives. Like even when it comes to our sexuality or whatever, it's the only, men is the only thing. Men are the only thing that we kind of force ourselves to be like, oh, I must like them. Even if you are, even if you don't want to sleep with men because they hurt you or like you're, you're traumatized by a man and you don't want to sleep with men again, that's totally valid. Like you don't need to just be like, if you just don't, if you want to not sleep with men, it doesn't matter what the reason is, you don't have to sleep with them. But I think that when it comes to understanding our sexuality, am I bisexual? Am I lesbian? Is this comp het, Or am I actually bi? I feel like there's this urgency on like, well, we must like men. And you don't have to, and it's perfectly okay to, whether the reason is that you're a lesbian, or because you just don't want to sleep with men right now. Um... Those are all perfectly valid reasons, and I would definitely check out the lesbian master doc on that one. Hi, my name is Alice. I live in Australia and I'm a huge fan. I was wondering if you could explain how you use the word cunt. There are so many different opinions on the use of the word. Some that we should reclaim it some say that we should reclaim it as women, and some that we should never say it. I love that you use it to refer to your gorgeous place and would love to know in what context you think it should be used thanks for being such an awesome role model and all-round feminist queen. Thank you so much. Um, I just love the word cunt because it has been, it's such a gorgeous fucking word. It's been used to refer to pussies as something vulgar. And I think the word sounds so sexy, actually. So I just, pers- my personal use of it is like complete reclamation and I want to make the word "cunt" hot. Um, sometimes me and my friends say, um, "Let's go out and be cunts." So, like "cunt" in the British sense is also used as like, if you're a cunt, it's like you're a nasty person. But then me and my friends use it as like, "Let's go out and be cunts." Like, let's be hot and let's be loud and let's be iconic. <laughs> that's what me and my—that's the way that me and my friends use it. Um, and I call my apartment the Dreamy Cunt Palace. Um, I don't know why it just sounds nice in my mouth and I love it and that's exactly how I feel about the word okay on to the next question hello I'm currently studying photography at uni and I'm in my third and final year once I finish I want to get into the world of activism and use my skills as a photographer as well as social media to promote equality for women do you have any tips on how to achieve this thank you so much I love this podcast endlessly so not really so much for photography. though I did uh, do some photography in my early, no, not early, not early 20s. I was 18. I used to post my photography online. Very, very, very amateur, just like pictures of my friends in my house when I was growing up. Very amateur kind of stuff. And I just used to post it on Instagram. Um, I don't have it up there anymore. My my account used to be called at Florence Photo. And then it went to Florence Given art but then people thought that that was um like me saying Florence was a given art but it was just like Florence Given's art account so then I just changed it to Florence Given and flooded it with my illustrations and shared them endless endlessly shamelessly relentlessly I sent my illustrations to feminist accounts that had a large following because I, I believed I had something different to say or saying the same thing that women have been saying for years in a very different way, in a very flossy way that I feel like would relate to this generation of women. And that's essentially what I've been doing for like five years now. I think it's finding your tone of voice, finding something that only you can say, and only you can do the things you do the way you do them. Just remember that whenever you think, oh, this has been done before. No, it hasn't. It hasn't been done by you. So do it differently and do it better. Okay, on to the next question. Hi Floss, first off, I love your books and your podcast so, so much. I'm a massive feminist, still a work in progress though, of course. I feel like a lot of the conversation, quite rightly, is around women educating men. I consume a lot of feminist media, however, and I was just wondering if you had any tips for how I can discuss things that I've learnt from you and other incredible women. I don't want to come across as trying to mansplain the experiences of women that I can never claim to understand. Yeah, I sometimes feel that I have stuff to, to add to conversations around feminism when talking to all of my mates... Of all genders, I feel well equipped to talk to other men about how we can create a more equal society. I just am not sure whether it's my place to discuss as women, as a straight cis white guy. Any tips would be wildly appreciated. Thank you for all the support that you do. Yes, so this is really interesting because not a lot of women also are aware of the ways that they're oppressed. So that is a very interesting dynamic to be in, where you as a man perhaps are more well read on feminist theory than your female friends. I would also like to remind you that you don't know more about the female experience. You might just know the theory. So you know the theory, not the life. And those two things are very, very, very different. So you might, for example, I could read books on anti-racism and my black friend might have never read those books. So I might know a bit more words on anti-racism than my black friends, but I will never fucking know what it's like to be black and to be marginalized in this country. So don't assume that because you've read the books, you know more. These girls can teach you a lot as well. So I don't know why you feel like you want to tell them uh, these things. Perhaps they're in a situation with a guy or something or something's going wrong. Um, You can suggest things and be like, I was reading this the other day and it's really interesting. Um, And also just be honest with them. Be like, I don't want to fucking tell you how you're feeling and come across as annoying and mansplaining feminism to you, whatever. Just tell them how you feel and then let them be like, shut up, I already know that. And then just be okay with that. <laughs> or um, tell them tell them exactly how you're feeling. I think it's a really great position for you to be in, to be reading the stuff and to care so much that you're asking me or reaching out. I think clearly your, your heart's in the right place. It's amazing that you're engaging with all of this stuff and that you want to learn more and be a better person. But I would definitely say keep, keep pulling in the boys is what, what you've been saying that you're doing and keep talking to them. But when it comes to your female friends, just be honest with them. And I think they'll love and respect you more for being honest with them about how you're feeling. Okay, on to the next question. Hi Florence, I love the way you answer questions and this one has been on my mind for a while. How do you ensure that your faked confidence is not mistaken for looking like you think you're better than everyone else? It's a fear of mine to seem high and mighty because of what an off-putting quality that is, but I also really want to work on my confidence. Hope this is clear enough. Yeah, well there's being arrogant and there's being confident and there's like a complete difference between the two. I, I, I can't remember what it is. Is it like uh, arrogance, shouts, confidence, whispers. I don't know. I don't think that's a fucking quote. But um, confidence is like more of like a whisper. Like you don't need to really say it. I think the people that I know who are truly confident, it's the way they carry themselves, the way they talk about themselves, that it's just almost like unwavering. But an arrogance shouts. It shouts, it shouts, it shouts. And when I hear someone shouting about, you know, metaphorically and maybe literally, shouting about themselves and constantly uh, validating without outside things about how amazing they are, almost to like a ridiculousness. I'm like, they don't actually like themselves. And it's very clear they don't like themselves because they're overcompensating for the, the very emptiness that they feel. So I think there's, there's a balance between faking it till you make it, which is like affirmations and telling yourself... I'm amazing. I can do this. I was built for big things um, and, and that kind of stuff. But there's a difference between that and then someone who is very entitled. And I think what you're what you're associating with confidence here is like this entitlement and this being rude to others. Being confident doesn't mean being rude to others. It's just a, it's a state of knowing. And I think that that will come with things like affirmations and the way you carry yourself, which is something that is learned over time. No one is born confident. Um, it is a skill, something that's acquired, something that's learned. And I definitely feel like you should view it in such a way okay next question hi floss just wanted to say your podcast and book has completely changed my life thank you i listen without fail every week and use the podcast as my monday act of self-care my question is how to set boundaries and communicate if i'm upset with a friend i've always struggled with this and often in my younger years i would rather completely cut a friend off than tell them how i really feel thank you so much for everything you do bella thanks bella thank you so much for sending in the question um i would say first of all amazing that you've reached out and you decided to actually work through this with your friend sounds like someone that you definitely want to keep in your life um one of my guests on this podcast elizabeth Day, called it rupture and repair where you rupture the friendship by expressing how you feel and then you repair it together and then it can be stronger and become this almost like this tighter knitted gorgeous bond that you have with the person I think you're doing the right thing in even asking about this and not cutting them off. Um, My advice would be to tell them and be like, I love you so much. And because I love you so fucking much, I'm going to honour the friendship and tell you how I feel instead of letting it brew as resentment. Because what what happens with resentment? You collect it and you collect it and you store it and you hold it in your body and then you'll just explode. And it's totally fucking unfair on the other person because it it can come up passive aggressively and they deserve to know how you're feeling, because the person likely will will hate the thought that they have caused you any feelings of discomfort. So you need to give that person a chance. Um, and I don't know how you and your friend communicate. Maybe phone, maybe FaceTime, whatever. But don't do the whole "We need to talk." Just um, maybe arrange a coffee and say, "Yeah, I've just I want I've wanted to say this for a while." Da 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 da. However you talk with your friends, um, and you can really honor the friendship that way. And I think it's really beautiful that you want to do this. Okay, on to the next question. First date conversation starters. Oh, ask people um, why they like to wake up in the mornings. Like, what's the thing that's keeping them going? Is it an album? Is it a song? Is it a dream? Is it a person is it an icon they have is it um do they like to dress themselves in the mornings um is it that they just have to go to work but when they get home they make themselves a gorgeous dinner there's so many lovely answers that people can have to that question like what keeps you going that's what I love to know because then people usually light up when they talk about the things that keep them going whether it's a dream or whatever and just kind of flesh out of them i love fleshing out people's dreams and hearing people talk about their dreams and watching them light up talk about them i think that's a really good date question i like to do top five albums because then you can even find if ones that you have in common you get them thinking top five albums or top five favorite artists because music is very important to me all that kind of stuff okay next question what's your favorite cocktail spicy margarita every single time Why is it hard for some people to climax around their partners? Um, I'm not a sex expert, and remember that this is all completely unprofessional advice, but my uh, educated guess would be that you can get in your head about being perfect. You can get in your head about wanting to be exactly the thing that they need, Uh, maybe not being able to relax. Perhaps there's also the other option of some people being overexposed to uh, really like aggressive or even violent porn and so soft, tender sex doesn't do it for them. So some people can't get off to that stuff because it just needs to be more and more and more extreme. There are so many reasons. I would just suggest that if, if this is you that you're talking about and it's not your partner, I would suggest telling your partner and opening that line of communication with them so that it doesn't become a taboo thing because the moment that you make it a taboo thing, that's when it turns into shame and then that's when it will eat you alive and you'll take it on as like no longer oh I can't come around my partner it's like I can't come around my partner and I'm a bad partner for not being able to do that what does that mean about me in the relationship so I would talk to your partner about this for sure okay on to the next question I only like having sex with my ex I've tried one night stands but I'm literally not asked unless it's him what do I do? Okay, so this kind of sounds like maybe, and I think a lot of people will relate to this, this kind of sounds like you have a bond or an attachment and also your ex is very safe to have sex with, especially if you were together for a long time. You can form bonds and attachments with people in safety and the idea of a one-night stand might feel kind of unsafe. It's like uncharted territory. They don't know your body like your ex does I don't know if you're still having sex with your ex or if you're saying the last sex you can remember enjoying is with your ex. Those are two completely different things. But let's say you're still having sex with your ex. I would ask yourself whether it's delaying your healing and moving on from them. I don't know. I don't know your situation. I don't know if you're still romantically attracted to them, if you're still in love with them, or if it's just the sex part, and maybe it works really healthily for both of you. I'm, I'm not too sure about the situation, but sex with an ex, in my experience, has always been not a good idea if you're trying to move on. And I don't know the full context of the situation, so I can't tell you what to do. And also only you can know what to do in your situation because this could, I've, I've got friends who fuck their exes, um, and it works deliciously for them because they can't have time for a relationship, but once a month they meet up to shack and that works for them. But for some people it doesn't and only you can trust your gut about whether that's right or wrong for you. Okay. on to the next question. How can I understand my sexuality and my attraction to women when I'm in a long-term relationship with a man? I've dated a few women, but it was very brief when I was younger and I was nervous and didn't make moves. I've identified as pansexual for a long time, but recently I've been feeling a big push to express myself and understand myself. Oh my God, this is just... I feel like after the pandemic, especially, a lot of people, particularly women, have realized that they are bi. Um, Actually, a lot of my guy friends have also realized that, that they're bi, which is lovely and we love to see it. I think that because of that there's been like a lot of urgency now to express the things that you found out about yourself which is so gorgeous and at the same time really heartbreaking if you're in a relationship and you feel like maybe you're letting down your partner. I remember when I was in a relationship with a man and I knew that I liked girls I had this guilt about it and I completely relate to that feeling. I would just say talk to your partner, um, but also know what you want. So do you want to be in a relationship with a woman? Do you love your partner and you want to stay with them? These are only questions that you can answer yourself. But I would definitely just Google all of this kind of stuff. There are step-by-step guides on Google about how to how to talk to your partner about your sexuality, coming out to them. Do you feel ready to come out to your partner There's all sorts of things that you can do, but I would just say you've got to do what's right for you and be kind with it. And being kind, by the way, doesn't mean being nice and placating. It just means being honest and truthful. And you can be honest with your partner about how you feel, hopefully, if it's a safe relationship, um, and express that to them. And just take each step as it comes and see if you're ready to come out to them and talk about your feelings. Okay, on to the next question. Does it count as rape if you only learned that it actually was a form of rape two years later? Does it make sense to be upset about it now if I didn't even know it was a thing at the time? My experience was with stealthing. <sighs> yes, that does count as, um, yeah, stealthing, stealthing is a form of sexual assault. And to anyone who doesn't know what stealthing is, It's essentially when a guy removes a condom, a person with a penis removes a condom during sex and then finishes inside of you. This was actually depicted in I Made a Story You by Michaela Cole, which I feel has just brought it to light that this can happen. And it's a really confusing, like the person who sent this question said, I've only just realized two years later. Maybe this person even watched I Made a Story You and realized then. Brilliant show. Highly recommend it, but it is very—it's really intense. But Michaela Cole is incredible. I yes, it does count as sexual assault, and that—that—that's—that's that's all I have to say on your your question. So this is very, very, very common. I have a highlight on my Instagram that's just called For Survivors, and it's full of advice sent in by my audience from survivors about how they healed with it. It's it's words of affirmation. It's everything that they wanted to hear. And it's probably one of the most beautiful resources that exists on my Instagram. I highly recommend checking it out. It's just a red circle called For Survivors. And I just want to say, best of luck on your healing journey. There are so many resources on that highlight that I'd really love you to check out. And to answer your question once again, yes, it does count as assault. And I'm really, really sorry that you went through that. You didn't deserve that. And I can't imagine how, well, I can't imagine how hard it is to deal with it, realizing it a couple years later, but it doesn't make her experience any less. And I think that you can find community with survivors. And I really would love you to check out my highlight on Instagram. Okay, on to the next question. Hi, Floss. Wanted your advice and thoughts on something. Sorry, it's a long one. I've been having a a lot of relationship talk with two of my best friends, both of who are in long-term relationships with their boyfriends. And as per usual, it led to their insistence that I get a girlfriend since I've never dated anyone ever, despite coming out to them years ago and knowing I was gay since I was 13. Right, I'm going to pause there while I digest that because that's very long. My problem isn't with not wanting to date, but a lot of the past trauma still has a hold on me. I was one of the first people in my grade at school to come out to a friend who proceeded to out me and spread rumours that I was a predator when I'd never shown any romantic interest to her. It led to social isolation for a few years, broaching the topic with my conservative parents and getting a bad reaction and just a complete downward spiral of my mental health that I'm yet to fully heal and move on from. Only recently did I come to terms with being non-binary and gay and as safe as I feel with my identity online, I still feel like an imposter. and can't stop feeling like I'm lying about my attraction and gender. I can't stop factoring in my parents into my life. How do I put myself out there even with shit self-esteem and how do I stop making excuses about why I shouldn't? Oh, I'm so sorry. That is that is so horrible and also such a common experience for queer girls to be called predators in the presence of straight women. It still happens in gay bars. I'm so sorry it happened to you in school. It's a really shit stereotype that actually just stops queer women ever making moves ever. Um, And then you kind of get it into your head that you just, you don't want to be men. And then it's the whole stereotype about girls never making a move on each other literally comes from this fear of being seen as a predator in spaces with straight women. And it's so ridiculous. Um, And I'm really really sorry that you went through that that sounds really horrible and it just makes complete total sense that you'd be afraid I want to know if you have any queer friends you've said both of your friends have boyfriends are they straight uh girls are they straight people I'm I my first thing would be to say you said you you're very open online could you make could you talk with a queer friend my thing is always having that shared experience with someone it just, if someone else has that similar issue, you can kind of like combat it together, you can start to go to gay bars with the person who also feels the same way, um, my queer friendship group have just made me feel so at home with myself, and so comfortable with myself, and I met all of my friends online, absolutely every single one of them, some of them I met on dating apps, um, so I highly recommend, dating apps also, um, and maybe putting in that you want to look for friends, whatever it is. But I'm really sorry that you feel like an imposter. I know, and you said that you're non-binary. So there's also that kind of thing with like, um, having imposter syndrome with your gender, because so few people understand, um, being non-binary and the bloodlines with gender at the moment. I feel like everyone is still kind of coming to terms with it. Even if I do live in a queer bubble in London, where everyone checks each other's pronouns and stuff. I forget that most of the country still don't know how to use they, them pronouns um, and that it's a massive adjustment, but one that definitely needs to be made. So I'm really sorry that you're feeling like an imposter at the moment, but I just want you also to know that a lot of people will be feeling the exact same way. And I really want you to find someone, um, like a friend, who also feels the exact same way. So perhaps if the prospect of dating is a bit too frightening for you right now, you could find a friend to go out with. That's what helped me in my coming out journey. Um, I met an amazing friend and we started going to gay bars together and I don't think I'd have been able to embark on that journey without her. Okay, next question. What's your favourite plant? Kentia palm, the indoor palm trees. I think they're so gorgeous and they remind me of feathers and I love them. Okay, on to the next question. Is it a red flag if a boy doesn't text you after a first date? Well, how long is the wait? You know, is it like a week? Then yeah, I'd say that's a red flag and that he's not interested in you for anything really romantic and that perhaps you're you're not on his mind. I've had dates where... People have like waited a month to text back and they're like, sorry, I fell off. And it's you know, it turns out they got back with their ex. And I was just like some kind of date to fill in the meantime, whatever, which just obviously just doesn't suit me. And I never saw them again. And I told them that. But there are sometimes like a month, yeah, they're not into you. But then sometimes I also have people who have um what's that movie? He's just not that into you. I feel like it depends how long. If it's a day or two, that's fine. I feel, depending on the context, did he say, I'll arrange a date with you tomorrow and then he didn't follow through? That's a bit bullshit. But also if someone just takes a bit longer to get back and they make up for it and say, hey, I'm so sorry, I've been really busy. Let me make up for it. Let me, let me take you out first rounds on me, whatever. I think there are so many ways. Just trust your gut with it though. If you kind of feel like they don't like you, then they probably don't and just listen to that feeling and don't um, rationalize and make excuses for them. Let them make their excuses. Don't like already do it in your head for them. But um, if, if the person hasn't texted you after a first date, depends on how long, but I, if there's no follow up, because how do you feel after a first date if it went really well? You feel elated, right? Um, I've had dates with girls where they've texted me the next morning and they've already like arranged another date with me for the weekend. And that, for me, is really important to feel that kind of consistent interest that was there on the date. I think consistency is key and really important when it comes to that stuff. Okay, on to the next question. Hey Florence, love your podcast. I have a question about social media. So I want to be a musician, and I've been told by people in the business that I must use social media in order to be successful. But I hate using social media. It distracts me from the present moment. I end up comparing myself to others, feeling insignificant, overwhelmed, and it gets in the way of my creativity. Hard relate. It's a massive dilemma for me, and I can't figure out which way to go. Quitting social media completely would be great for my mental health, but does that mean giving up on my artistic dream? Or maybe I should be a trailblazer and succeed without social media. Sorry for the waffly message. Would love to hear advice. Absolutely not a waffly message. I think so many people can relate to this. I can relate to this. Um, sometimes I don't want to go on Instagram because it's also, it's the most gorgeous place on earth, and it can also be absolutely fucking hell. It's one of the worst places uh, for my mental health, and also the one of the best places, and it's a bit have a bit of a weird relationship with Instagram specifically. Um, So totally relate to all of that. It would be absolutely gorgeous if you could... um, Essentially, you just need to know that like it will set your career on fire in the best way possible. And I think that social media, it will um, and can be used to propel you so far into your career that maybe years of not using social media would do like you could you know you could make a, viral, a video that would go viral someone could listen to your a celebrity could listen to your song repost it and then you've got some kind of deal or whatever there's all these kinds of things that happen that can fast track it so i wonder if there's someone that you could outsource the task of going on social media to i don't know if you are signed um i don't know if you have a friend uh someone you can pay some money just to use the social media but if you don't want to engage with social media yourself, I think there are so many ways you could do it. You could also set up a page that you don't follow anyone. Like you just put your stuff out there, especially on TikTok. You don't have to follow anyone. You don't have to consume content. You can just post your content online. I don't think you need to use social media to become someone. Um, but it does fucking help. I would not have this podcast if it wasn't for social media. Um, I've been able to talk to people like yourself and thousands of other people and give advice that helps people and just kind of share what I have to say because of social media. It's essentially my megaphone and my springboard to do the things that I want to do. And I'm very grateful for it as well as I am very annoyed by how people engage with it and can be very annoying online. <laughs> so I think you have to decide whether it's worth it to you to engage with social media and also just ha- maybe have boundaries with it. Okay, on to the next question. I work as a model and lately I've seriously been questioning how anti-feminist my work is. I'm white, tall and thin, so the cliche beauty standards set by society. By earning money with this appearance, am I contributing towards the beauty myth? I'm making other women feel bad for not meeting this ridiculous and arbitrary standard, especially as I know the lies and sacrifice behind my appearance. I have an eating disorder, and whenever I have a pimple during a shoot, it gets removed and retouched. I like my job, but I hate thinking that other women are suffering trying to reach some beauty standard. Or is it arrogant for me to think that other women would compare themselves to me? Oof, this question is so good. Thanks a bunch. Warm greetings from Germany. Joanna, you seem so fucking self-aware that it's just not even like a problem. There are so many ways you can look at this. You can look at this and be like, yeah, I'm uh, profiting from my body and my image and how I look. And that's really empowering. But the way that you're looking at it is very like, am I contributing to a problem? I just think you have this, this message is just like full and laced with gorgeous self-awareness. Um, and I think that there are things that you can do within the modeling industry to counteract this. Like maybe there's a job, you feel like there aren't enough plus size or black girls or trans girls on the shoot. And then you can use that space within the industry to change it. I think that is what happens. It's not about not being a part of the industry. Clearly, it sounds like you're doing well for yourself. And I'm really sorry also to hear about your eating disorder. disorder. Disorder, and I know that that is what happens a lot in the industry, and that you feel like you're lying. I would definitely try to talk with a therapist. I also know it's really hard um, if you can't afford therapy or you have other models. I'm sure all the other models will feel the exact same way. Um, If you have any other models who are interested in feminist literature, you said you read The Beauty Myth. I think that that must be really challenging. I know for a lot of models that that can feel really confusing, and also your work does rely on your body and certain agencies have requirements for measurements and stuff like that so I don't entirely know your situation with your agency but maybe talking to your agency about it if you feel like you have the wiggle room to speak up and say something to someone about how you're feeling I would just definitely recommend talking to other models it's an industry I don't understand and I've never been in myself but I think I just want to say that this message is really gorgeous and self-aware and I like the way you think Okay, next question. My life is actually going really well right now and I think success may be coming my way. This is terrifying. I'm permanently convinced I'm going to fuck it up or someone's going to tell me it was a fluke or a joke and I'm going to lose it all and it keeps me up at night. Help. Yeah, this is like so fucking relatable. Help. You said help. Well, Sounds like imposter syndrome, where you think you're a fraud, someone's going to tell you it's a joke, and you're going to lose it all. I think this is very human, it's actually quite an admirable quality to kind of, because yes, success is earned, and also complete luck on most occasions. Right place, right time, were you prepared for the opportunity? Yes, that bit's your part, but then it's the, the bit that's out of control, is whether you're seen or not. Not everyone can grab those opportunities with both hands. Not people, not a lot of people, some people can get their foot in the door, but they can't perform when they're in the room. Can they hold their place in the room? There are lots of reasons why you deserve everything that's coming your fucking way. I do think it's good to have a little bit of uh, healthy self doubt, but not to the point where you start to like talk yourself out of those rooms. I am so fucking excited for you. And if you weren't equipped to do it you would not be getting offered the success i don't even know what kind of success you're talking about babe but i am so excited for you okay next question where would you like to travel to next probably somewhere in italy probably somewhere in italy in the sun not florence again but somewhere else in italy um somewhere gorgeous gorgeous little houses just some drink coffee in the sun on my own and read books and look at gorgeous houses that's it for this week thank you so much for getting in touch it means so much to me that you're here and I love answering all of your questions I've got a bunch more to answer next week love you bye